If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email. Email me your thoughts, your questions, your opinions, your adoration and praise will also be accepted, especially on this cold and, well, this cold Monday morning, which is going to be pretty this week, so we'll look past it. But kidding, not kidding. Thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure, pleasure to be here. You know, so Trump is now home back at the White House after um, after his COVID diagnosis, and he's been working. He had been working from the hospital. Um. It's my understanding that his plan is to work even today from the White House as as well. So, but the left has had a, uh, I guess over the past couple of days, a, I mean, meltdown of epic proportions as far as their responses to some of these things. Uh, regarding President Trump's diagnosis. And there's a lot of examples here. I'm going to read some tweets that the Bongino uh, show um, pulled off of Twitter. Now, these are people on Twitter. These are people on Twitter who have blue check marks next to the name. These are supposed to be the ones on Twitter who are confirmed these are the i guess the the leading voices on twitter right they they've got the blue check mark rick wilson here talking about trump's covid diagnosis just a mere 3 days ago tweeted out i don't think his story is going to have a happy ending yikes that's kind of gross here's another guess we'll find out just how close trump and hope are talk, talking about hope hicks if you know what I mean, that was tweeted out on October, uh, October 1st after Hope Hicks was first diagnosed with COVID. Of course, the only way that this uh, Rachel the Doc here, Rachel the Doc, can uh, imagine Trump getting COVID is from, I guess, making out with Hope Hicks. I guess that's the insinuation here. George Conway, he failed to protect the country. He couldn't even protect himself. George Conway's wife, Kellyanne, 
course, can you imagine being in that home? I mean, the, these two folks, these two folks are on completely ends of this, uh, the, the Trump spectrum. But his wife is infected as well. Then there's others. I mean, some of these things are just completely, and you've seen some of this. I don't want to go into this too long. I want to actually move into an article that I read uh, telling Republicans and conservatives it's time to hate them back is what I want to get to this morning. But here's some other ones. I hope he suffers through this and dies as he's losing on election night. Isn't that cute? I hope they die. Wow. Um, someone responded to that. Wow. Real petty of you, man. You had a chance to be a good person here and take the high road, but you didn't. Disappointing. Just kidding, LOL. Hope he dies slow, is the tweet there. Here's another blue check mark liberal on Twitter. Yeah, the irony of Trump catching a disease he let thousands and thousands of people die of is quite delicious. Even if it wasn't vegan, I wouldn't stop eating it. I only ever wanted you to suffer. That's just, again, a sampling of the things that we've seen on Twitter. I referenced this on Friday. You've probably seen this uh, between now and then. It's just, it's remarkable. It's remarkable for some some of these reactions. On top of that, we have... Chris Rock on Saturday Night Live. I don't know which which night this was. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. Apparently no one else does uh, watch Saturday Night Live either. But Chris Rock was apparently, as I'm queuing this up here, Chris Rock was apparently, well, he was the, what do you call it, the host, I guess, of Saturday Night Live, uh, doing his opening bit, his opening jokes, I suppose, talking about President Trump and COVID, and he has this to say. Before, before we even get started, let's, let's you know, let's, hey, the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, President Trump's in the hospital uh, from COVID, and I just want to say my heart goes out to COVID. So, uh, <laughs> uh, this is a, a, a special... Cheering and clapping for that. President Trump is in the hospital with COVID. Chris Rock says, hilarious stuff. My heart goes out to COVID, he says. <laughs> the fans are clapping and cheering. So we have all this sort of stuff going on out there. And it, it's it's pathetic. It is, uh, I don't know, I don't, do I want to say sad? I mean, I guess, I guess in one sense, it is, it is sad. I mean, this is. This is pathetic, but it, it's predictable. Oh, I need to say this too before I forget. I had a friend of mine tweet me yesterday. This will probably be the only NFL news you hear on this program, possibly forever. <laughs> As you know, the, the NFL is, I mean, just, it's destroying itself for a lot of reasons. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be anything done about concussions and that sort of thing but it's turned into a league that's about a half a step away from two-hand touch which someone like myself is not a not a fan of that basically you can get flagged now for hitting somebody too hard they don't they don't know what that was they see a collision a high impact they just throw the the yellow hanky as someone a 
uh, someone has been known to say, just throw the hanky out there and, and you know, just, just say, I don't know what happened there. Someone hit someone too hard out here. We didn't like that. We're not, I mean, I've, I've kind of seen those penalties before, and I'm not talking about the ones to the head. I'm just talking about high impact. The refs throw it and look at each other like, what just happened? Because someone got drilled out here, and we've got to penalize that. So we've got a little bit of that going on. we got the kneeling stuff. We just got the over. Everything's political. We got to hear everyone's opinions politically all the time. They can share their political opinions all they want. They can use that stage, but then people like us can choose to not want to watch it because you know what it was for us? We used to watch these things to escape. Escape from life. Just enjoy things. Forget about political tensions or whatever else was going on in our lives, and now we can't even we can't even do that. But I did see my friend tweeted me out yesterday that since the NFL realigned back in 2002, the Bears and the Colts have played four times. Basically, there's four divisions in each conference, and if you're in different conferences, the Colts are in the AFC, the Bears are in the NFC. Every every uh, every year, you play teams from one of the other four conferences. So, in presidential election years, 2000. 2008, 2012, 2016, and now 2020, the Colts and the Bears have played, and they have been 100% correct in predicting, 100% correct in predicting who is going to win the presidency. They were four out of four. In 2004, the Colts, so, so if the Colts win, Republican wins the presidency. If the Bears win, a Democrat wins the presidency. So 2004 and 2016, the Colts won, and that were that those were the years that Bush, George W. Bush, won re-election. 2004, Trump wins in 2016. 2008, 2012, the Bears win, and Obama. I don't want to talk about that, but Obama was president. So he tweeted me this, and I said, "You've actually piqued my interest in this game." And it turns out, yesterday, the Colts won. The game against the Bears, I think it was 19 to 19-11. So I guess that means, you know, you could put a headline out there today. Prediction that is, you know, um, a predictor that is 100% accurate has now predicted less than a month before the election that Trump will win, that Trump will win this election. And that, of course, is the Colts beating the Bears. I feel a little dirty even talking about the NFL now, but there you go. But that is some NFL news that we will at least reference here. So, so we've we've talked about these bad reactions to President Trump, and we have we have politicians, Elon Omar, Nancy Pelosi, different different folks um, who, who say some things about President Trump and his hospitalization and COVID and blaming Trump and all this sort of stuff. Nancy Pelosi um, trying to say a little bit of uh, a couple of nice things, saying that she's going to pray for President Trump and all these sorts of things, but cannot help herself to blame him. And, you know, this is just we're just kind of in nasty, nasty times. Right. We had the debate last week and people are still still reeling from what they watched on that debate stage. And so there's this tension, animosity. And as I've as I've said on here before, we have at this particular point. Minus a few uh, exceptions, minus a few exceptions, we're in the midst of a 
nonviolent civil war in this country, an ideological civil war in this nation. And it's largely nonviolent, but not exclusively nonviolent. We have some violent components of um, of this ideological war that we are fighting, and those violent components are can be found in Antifa, can be found in uh, certain elements of the Black Lives Matter movement. Those, in addition, who want to co-opt peaceful protests and turn them into riots, which again is not a I'm still amazed at the number of people who cannot tell the difference between a riot and a protest. I do, from time to time, as a public service announcement, make sure I explain the differences between a riot and a protest, which maybe we need to do here again. And there are, of course, some um, some who are on the Trump side. They go to counter-protests, and sometimes there's clashes between those groups and leftists and Antifa and all this sort of stuff. So there's no doubt that this is a tense, tense time. Everything is political. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear, what you watch, everything, what you drive, whether or not you think masks are good or helpful or saving humanity or killing off people left and right, whatever, whatever your opinions, thoughts on these things are, it's a it's a very politically volatile time, and there's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of hatred from a lot of uh, a lot of people hate those that politically disagree with them. And I want to get into this article. This is an opinion piece in Town Hall, written by a gentleman named Derek Hunter. He has a radio show somewhere. I just it's at the bottom here, and I don't have it pulled up. But um, headline here: He's a Republican. And he writes, it's time to hate them back. And we'll talk about what this means when we get back. After this quick timeout, you are listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. I need to clarify something. So Trump did a kind of a meet and greet last night, I suppose. He uh, jumped in the back of a of a vehicle. There were supporters outside the hospital. Instead of Trump having a rally somewhere else, a rally came to him, and that's he didn't he didn't leave from there to go home. It's reported that he could. Go home today. I thought I had seen yesterday he was definitely checking out today, or that was the plan. So maybe I've, uh, if I've, you know, sorry for the the confusion there. I I thought that definitely was uh, was the plan. Now they're saying he could be discharged from the hospital as early as today. He of course has been in the hospital since late last week, where he's been under observation. Um for COVID and his vitals have been monitored. There's been 
uh, reports that he has uh, taken a steroid treatment as his oxygen levels at one point did drop. I don't know that we know to what, but they did drop a little bit, which is not necessarily, it could be a very bad sign and a very bad thing. It could also be, you know, just that happens from time to time when folks are dealing with, you know, any illnesses or just temporary issues that their body is is fighting it could be a very bad sign or it could just be uh, you know dealing with again depending upon what those levels drop to which i don't think we we know that but the point is i don't i don't know about all those details i don't know um it, it seems to be unlikely that they would announce he's possibly going to be released today unless that was the plan but again who knows we're in a little bit of uncharted territory here but i will say this there is a lot of i mean we we already talked a little bit about the glee people well actually one one gentleman let me get to that real quick and then we'll look at this article but one gentleman i use the word gentleman here very loosely but one gentleman um was I mean, this is this is in redstate.com. He's a reporter for Vanity Fair. These are tweets that went out last, let's see, on October 3rd. Gabriel Sherman. I do not know who Gabriel Sherman is. But Gabriel Sherman, I mean, it seems, I don't know, excited in a sense uh, that what he was hearing about President Trump. Now, I can't confirm this these are gabriel's sources which could be people talking in gabriel's head but this is what the tweet says sources trump had heart palpitations on friday a possible negative side effect of regeneron antibody treatment this was one of the treatments trump was given in the hospital uh, in the days that he has been in the hospital for observation and just as a precaution as he's been diagnosed with covid Gabriel continues here. His fever reached 103, and a G7 ally wonders if he'll appoint Ivanka president instead of Mike Pence. And then he promotes his article, which is called the This is Spiraling Out of Control. Then he continues after watching Trump's video. Trump did a video from the White House, released it. On October, I think it was on uh, Friday, Friday or Saturday, just watched Trump hospital video a second time, Gabriel tweets out. His breathing is clearly labored. He seems to be leaning on table for support, and there's so much fear in his eyes. So much fear in his eyes. I guess we can play a little bit if you didn't see. This was October 3rd, about 7 in the evening. This was... Uh, this broke. This is President Trump. I'll play a, just a bit of this, and you can decide for yourself if the president's breathing seems labored, if he seems to be uh, – well, you can't see the video, but you can look this up later. You can determine if he's leaning on the table for support and basically unable to – You know, looks like he's in critically – critical condition, which is kind of the implication here. But let's look. I want to begin by thanking all of the incredible medical professionals, the doctors, the nurses, everybody at Walter Reed Medical Center. I think it's the finest in the world. 
just going to listen. For the incredible job they've been doing. To a minute of this. Uh, I came here, wasn't feeling so well. I feel much better now. We're working hard to get me all the way back. I have to be back because we still have to make America great again. We've done an awfully good job of that, but we still have steps to go and we have to finish that job. And I'll be back. I think I'll be back soon. And I look forward to finishing up the campaign the way it was started and the way we've been doing and the kind of numbers that we've been doing. We've been so proud of it. But this was something that happened and it's happened to millions of people all over the world and I'm fighting for them. Not just in the U.S., I'm fighting for them all over the world. We're going to beat this coronavirus or whatever you want to call it, and we're going to beat it soundly. So many things have happened. If you look at the therapeutics, which I'm taking right now, some of them, and others are coming out soon that are looking like, uh, frankly, they're miracles, if you want to know the truth. They're mir- so it gives you an idea. Now, journalists saying that that's very labored breathing, Looks as though Trump, I, he's sitting down. I don't know what he's even talking about. Leaning, I guess his elbows are on the table. Don't even know what this Gabriel Sherman, this journalist, <coughs> journalist, <laughs> journalist at Vanity Fair, reporting that Trump may possibly appoint Ivanka as president instead of Pence. That was actually something Gabriel thought was going to happen. Now it appears that President Trump could go home as early, go back to the White House as early as today. Trump's been working. There's been pictures of Trump working. I mean, it's clear Trump didn't feel well. But my, I just, where, why is there so much, and I know this is halfway rhetorical, but just as a decent, of course now I'm saying words that don't apply to people, but being a decent human being, why would you want, why would you cheer for President Trump to be sick and not well, people saying that this is karma. Do people realize that this is a disease that is spread around the world? Is Trump responsible? Is Trump responsible? Hasn't, by the way, spread very much. Uh, what uh, proportionally, I guess, in in Africa, which some have speculated is because of the. Treatments and the precautions taken against malaria and the use of hydroxychloroquine, I'm not saying that that's the case, but it is an interesting thing to ponder and to consider. But regardless, regardless, is Trump responsible for the people that it killed in China and Spain and in France and in Italy? What did Does the media expect that there would have been not a single case here in spite of that? I mean, it's just – it's really silly. You can question – the actions taken, you can debate whether or not they had an impact as far as, you know, um, you, you can say that certain actions or lack thereof, you can make the case that it caused more problems, but are they Trump's fault? Does, say, Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio not have anything to do with this? Does Nancy Pelosi not have anything to do with it when she was calling for people to go out to the, uh, what was it, the the some festival, I think, in, in Chinatown back in, in February. I mean, part of this is 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 sensationalized. Part of this is nothing more than than pure hatred. But the amount of of hatred and vitriol, I just I don't understand. I, I I really I don't. I mean, I do in one sense because again, politics to the radical, radical, radical left, the extreme left, the unhinged left. 
Politics is their religion. Government is their God. And so they want this guy Trump out of here. It's almost like, again, to a Christian. Again, I'm just talking about the radical godless atheist left. I'm not talking about your average Democrat or what have you. I'm talking about the radical, unhinged, godless atheist left, those who are cheering and chanting and and even praying, praying to a God they don't believe in that this God or this karma takes the life of President Trump or makes him incapable of serving in his capacity as president. This is uh, – it, it's akin to a Christian, a Christian church having an atheist pastor. That's kind of what this is like, that they need their leadership to be in line with their ideological worldview, and they can't stomach it that someone outside of their ideological worldview has basically hijacked hijacked their their religion. They can't stand that. And, of course, they cheer when they think he might be sick or dying or whatever the case may be. It's sick. It's despicable. But it doesn't give us – and this is what I want to get to. planned on starting this segment. But it doesn't give us the right to um, – I, I really disagree with this article that I want to reference, talking about it being time for us to hate them back, written by a conservative Republican. Again, his name is Derek Hunter. We'll talk about this after the break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. So I want to reference or talk about this article, this opinion piece, this op-ed, Derek Hunter. He's a – writing here for Town Hall, but he's a um, – has a radio show, I believe, in, in Maryland. Headline again, it's time to hate them back. I used to be one of those, quote, Democrats are my opponents, not my enemies, end quote, type of people. Not anymore, he writes. Com- uh, committed leftists are our enemies – enemies of the country, and just about everything good and just in the world. Pause. I don't disagree with, with part of these sentiments. There, is, there are ideas. There are ideas that are the antithesis of the American way, and those ideas are embraced by the radical left. They're embraced – some are embraced by uh, – a whole plethora of Democrats, including sometimes unsuspecting Democrats who have accepted uh, some of this gibberish and falsehood more than they, I think, realize. But so there is definitely there are ideas. America is an idea. America is an idea. That idea, those ideas, I should say, are reflected in our founding documents. And if there are ideas that are contrary to that, that are truly the antithesis of that, then those ideas become the enemy of America. And if some group of people is embracing those ideas, then we could say that they, of course, are our political enemies. And that's okay. I mean, again, it did, I just my experience. There, there are different types of of 
Democrats and even leftists. There's extreme, radical, godless, unhinged, those who are praying for, cheering for the death of the president, cheering uh, for bad things and bad karma to return to the president. They're the people who on election night every year or inauguration day will turn their fury towards the skies and yell at the universe, scream at the universe. These are the folks that I, I understand that. But folks, this is not this is not the average Democrat. It is not. Maybe in certain places. It is not here where I am. It is not I, I've I've encountered angry Democrats. I've encountered angry Republicans. I've got a friend who tells me he's conservative, but very bitter. <laughs> very bitter. Says it in a joking way. But he also kind of means it. So my point here is to say that, of course, people who have ideas that are antithetical, the opposite from what we have in uh, – that we that have, that have been embodied in the Constitution are ideas that are dangerous. In fact, when you take a pledge to defend the Constitution, you pledge to defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic. It is absolutely possible, absolutely possible for people to have – Uh, to be enemies of the Constitution. And and as such, we should consider them political enemies and protect what is right. There's also people that, you know, even the Bible says, woe to those who call evil good. There are lots of people, I shouldn't say lots, but there's a certain percentage of people who um, they call evil good. We see things that are bad being praised as holy and good, and we see things that are good being mocked or ridiculed or torn down for whatever reason the narrative, uh, whatever shape the narrative takes that particular day. So there are I, you know, people who are enemies to the Constitution. I fully acknowledge that. But I just question this notion of hate. Even, you know, I, I just think about the Bible when I read that. I know not everyone here is Christian, and that's fine. You don't have to be. I'm just, I'm just articulating my my thoughts on this. The Bible tells us to, to love our enemies. It doesn't mean that we have to capitulate. It doesn't mean that we quit fighting. It doesn't mean that we quit trying to promote truth. In fact, I hope, I hope there's a committed leftist out there today. I hope there's a, 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 a one of these vile, out of control. Actually, I hope all of them, I hope all of them one day decide to accept and embrace the truth. That's what I hope. If they don't, it doesn't I, – I just – I have a hard time understanding why there's a need to hate. There's a need to fight. There's a need to defend. There's a need to explain. There's a need to, again, protect this nation and to fight off ideas and people who are enemies to those foundational principles and ideals, those ideas that made this nation – this shining city on a hill, beacon of hope, the place that people flock to or want to flock to from around the world because it is – there is this thing called the American dream. And you know what that is? It, it is simply the place where you can go to be who you were created to be, to pursue your own dreams, desires, all those sorts of things. That's what makes America great, capitalism, freedom, Opportunity. 
People can make it, make their life, whatever they want. It's a beautiful thing. And for those who have, I don't know, lived here or this is this is our, you know, all that we know, it's hard to wrap our minds around how different it's been for people throughout history because this is not the status quo. This is different. This is radically different. And that's why it's radically transformed the world. But I don't know the point of deciding to hate, to hate. This is what he continues to write here. They have hated us. They, the radical left, have hated us for decades but did their best to hide it as much as possible. He's, I don't disagree with that. But he says now they are no longer hiding it. That's not wrong either. What is, we should accept their hate and give, <laughs> and give it back as hard as we can. And this Again, we should fight back. We should expose the hatred. We should expose the hypocrisy. We should appeal to those who haven't been overtaken by hate to say this is where that ideology leads. That is not where the ideology of conservatism leads. It is not, in my case, where the ideas and principles of Christianity lead as being a follower of Jesus. That's not the path. That's not what we want. It doesn't mean that we cannot fight. I just It boggles my mind sometimes to, to see the difficulty, and otherwise smart people do not be able to dissect these things, to not be able to dissect these things and to, to think that the, the options are love them and give them whatever they want or hate them and fight them. Why is that? You can love somebody and, and fight them. I, I have absolutely no problem with that. Absolutely no problem with that. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Those things can, of course, exist together. Heck, there's times, folks, that I have an internal conflict and I fight myself. Does it mean that I cease to, to love myself or when I fight with my spouse or when I'm unhappy with my children? Of course not. That's not what that means. We can fight without hating. Why on earth? Why on earth? I mean, to write these words, and I, again, I don't know this gentleman. This is not personal. I just, I have a hard time. Ideas like this, how's that going to end up for us? We actually need to find a way to promote the right ideas and do it in a way that de-escalates these things when possible. If if the only way to de-escalate means capitulation, I'm not on board with that. Giving in and, you know, saying whatever you want, that's not at all what I'm saying. And when there's a time to fight, we fight. But there's not, there's not this time to simply hate people and to give back hate as hard as we can. I think we can fight without saying that. I just that that to me, that's part of the appeal of of conservatism is this idea, this idea that we can all be who we want to be. That's really, to me, at the, at the core of it, being free to make our choices. And even though I may, I may disagree with an individual's choices, I may even try to persuade them not to make said choices. But I'm not going to hate them. I, I will fight them to the bitter end if they try to take away my freedom or to try to unravel this nation as founded. But these two things are, are, are different concepts and ideas, but not in the mind of this author uh, here. 
that we're reading his article this morning. But quick timeout is in order. A little bit long this segment. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Folks, I cannot tell you the number of people that I have had political discussions with, people who are diametrically opposed to some of the things that I believe. And I can tell you, I can tell you that I've never once found it beneficial to hate them. I just don't. I may really loathe their ideas, and again, I understand that there are some extremely radical folks out there who don't just dislike me. They hate they hate people like us, people like conservatives, people who think like conservatives, people who are Christians, people who are moral or decent. I, I fully understand that, and we need to be on the guard with that. We need to understand who we're dealing with. We need to understand that we have to to fight and contend with these folks. I understand all of that. But I also understand that there that is not the majority. I am telling you, at least here, I can't speak about some of these places that have completely gone berserk. I don't know about Seattle, although I can tell you I've got I've heard from a liberal in Seattle who listens to this program every day who doesn't agree, but yet he's not one that I would put into that group. He actually appreciates, he doesn't understand conservatism because it's never been explained to him. All he's been told is that conservatives are racist, you know, they're sexist, they're haters of all things good they want to keep women barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and suddenly he comes across a program like this or something else where he understands that that's not really the truth and some of these folks can be persuaded why would i hate folks who are open to that i understand hating evil and clinging to that which is good but it doesn't mean i have to hate the person and it doesn't mean that they can never have their minds persuaded some of them most of them to that level never will but they certainly never will if we come in with that sort of mentality. Again, just out of time here talking about this. Got to come and uh, stop here this segment, come back and wrap up next. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, got to wrap up here, but I will tell you, this fight for our republic is not going away. We are in <laughs> we are entrenched in this battle. And persuade others we must. Everyone is not persuadable, but some are. We need to focus on those because folks, if we don't if we don't persuade, then we're going to be in a mess here. If things continue to turn more and more radical, 
I've got to go. Out of time here. Music telling me it's time to shut up. Have a great day. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.